0: Welcome in, guys. You are listening to the Heroes Home Base Podcast, Episode 7.
1: Hello, true believers. This is Mark. This is Rob. This is Rich. So, what's going on, everybody? How are you guys this week
0: going? Um, Not bad. I'm uh, single parenting it up. My wife is in Spain right now, so right before she left, I was binge-watching Batman Beyond. Um, good old Dr. Mosquito, who I worked with, gave me a um, download code for the entire series and the Return of the Joker uh, movie, which I loved when it came out.
1: But uh, I remember that. That was a really good one. Didn't we well, have that apparently on, uh, I was
0: watching we the have edited VHS? version. Yeah, we had it on VHS. Uh, it was probably one of the last VHS's we bought. But um, no, Mark, I wasn't even aware. there It was the edited version. Apparently there was political pressure um, back in like 2001 when they made the movie that kids were getting exposed to too much violence. So they uh, toned down a lot of the violence. And I was not aware that that... Happened, and I was watching it the other
1: night. I'm like, "Uh,
0: this is totally different." Do you remember how uh, the Joker died in that one?
1: Yes, I do remember. Is it he fell down, or was it Harley Quinn that fell down the hole?
0: That was Harley Quinn that fell down the hole.
1: And Joker, I don't. Okay, so I know I don't remember. So the version
0: I saw, he like fell into some laboratory equipment and got all wet, and then he got electrocuted. But you didn't. You heard it, but you didn't see it. Well, this version, Tim Drake straight up shoots the bang flag into his chest. That's right. (laughs) Yes. I was like, what? But there was something about that scene where Batman or Joker punches him. It always seemed off. And now I realize why it's off because he gets stabbed and then he punches him. So I was uh,
1: I remember the the past for me,
0: like the opening scene for it. Wasn't it like all the little goofy people trying to steal something and it was like, yeah, punching after punching after punching. Yeah. I just remember I loved how in that movie they brought the latest animated series into the Batman beyond universe. I thought it was great.
1: Yeah, that was a good one. And it just made you think like how Joker so smart, like he would just would not leave us. He'll never leave us. You know what I'm saying? He put his entire consciousness in another person.
0: So- so the scientist and Becky like caught that scene. She just shoots me this look of just ridiculousness. I'm like, Hey, don't crap on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was, that was recent comic book update for me. I was, was, I just really read, nice uh, I just read something tonight that, uh, the Joker is going to pass a billion dollars.
1: Nice. I saw that. Yeah. I think that they said it's the first rated R movie to pass a billion dollars.
0: Yep. And without China contributing to the box office so. and they didn't need to re-release it true in <clears throat> game that's cheating
1: <laughs> so what's going on with uh you in the big city mark um well this week i well last weekend i went to go see jay and silent bob reboot oh nice so that was cool i went to the tribeca film center and Jay uh, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes are doing the Jay and Silent Bob reboot roadshow, and so they're on tour with the movie. And so they uh, they came up. I saw both Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. They introduced the movie, and then after the movie, they did a uh, twenty five minute Q and A. And the movie is about two hours long, and it's the, it's the exact same movie as Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. In this in this version, Jay, Jason Mewes in the movie finds out he has a daughter, and so it's just kind of his role as a father and. Him realizing he has a daughter, and there's just so many cameos. And every time you see a cameo, the entire audience just applauded because a lot of uh, previous castmates from his movies were in it. So like um, Matt Damon and that Ben Apple. Affleck, and you know the, the girl from Chasing Amy. She that's cats. like her name, the girl from Chasing
0: He's,
1: Amy. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember her name. Um, she
0: played Amy.
1: <laughs> yeah, just, just. Val Kilmer was in it and the girl from who plays Supergirl was in it. And it was just such a good, it was funny. It was funny. Uh, Method Man and Redman were in it. Kevin Smith's daughter plays Jason Muse's daughter in the movie. Um, <laughs> Shannon and Elizabeth, Rosario Dawson, they're all in it. So the cast of Comic Book Man, they did a cameo. Mark Bernardin did a cameo in it. His mother did a cameo in it. Um, so it was really good to, uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth was in it. So it was a pretty cool movie. It really was funny. Like they really haven't lost any of their comedic timing. You know, Jason Mewes is really great. Um, So I was happy to support that and get tickets for that. It was a sold out show. A lot of the shows are sold out. Yeah, the ones um, in Ohio are sold out. Yeah, a lot of the shows are sold out. So he's just, I love Kevin Smith. He's just his ingenuity and the fact that he's made a story off of his life. And his friends is really something that inspires me. Um this week I'm getting I'm gearing up just a little bit for WinterCon. And it's at the World Resort World Casino at the Aqueduct right near JFK Airport. So it's like a Roberts Rhodish kind of in yeah. a hotel kind it's of the
0: best kind of con.
1: A ballroom with bad carpeting kind of con. You know what I mean? <laughs> And Bad so, carpeting
0: and back issues galore.
1: Well, back issues over price back issues galore. And the, the, the people there who are like the headliners, it's like the guy who, it was like the janitor who cleaned, you know, st- like for example, yeah, you were last saying that. year Last year <laughs> when I went, it was the year Stan Lee died. So it was the janitor who used to take out the trash in Stan Lee's office at Marvel Comics in 1974. Like nobody cares what you have to say, sir. Please have a seat. Like no, you know what I mean. So it's like stupid people, like Michelle Nichols, trash. You know, Michelle Nichols from the Star Trek original show was there. You know, although this year there's one guy who's going to be there that I'm actually interested in seeing, and I'm gonna have him sign. Uh, I don't know. This came out. You know how um, his his author's name is Greg Cox, and he did there was you know like actual thick books, like a novel. Do you remember how they used to do those back in the day? like for example the avenger was an x-men avengers crossover it was called the gamma quest and it was a trilogy it was of three books actual and george perez, george perez did, did the illustrations for each chapter it's not a comic book it was an actual novel nice do you remember those
0: i don't know
1: okay i don't know <laughs> if they had any from dc but i know marvel had some star trek had some so greg cox and i actually had these books and i actually reread them because they were very good um actually read them and Greg Cox author there is going to be there and I was just scrolling through the WarnerCon website I'm like Greg Cox how do I know that name I'm like holy crap I'm like he's gonna be there so I'm gonna go and have him sign my books and I compiled just a short list of books that I would like to pick up if I see them there just some fantastic four books uh John Burns run that I would like to pick up so What's if I numbers? see them what are the numbers I, like issue 250, 251, actually like issues 250 to 260. Um, so that about 10 or so issues that I would like to get. Um,
0: when were those published? Give me an idea.
1: Like 80, okay. 1980, I think, I'm guessing, I don't know. But... Um, just kind of like dollar bookish stuff. Nothing real, no holy grails, just kind of like dollar. If I see it, I see it, that kind of thing. So I'm gearing it from WinterCon for that. And that's really all that's going on over here, comic book-wise, in the big city.
0: Let's take it back. What uh, Did you stay for the whole Q&A for the uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot? Were there any no, good I questions?
1: St- I stayed for just a few minutes because it, it, it was about midnight, and I had to leave. Um, like What cities they're going to next, and... How long did it take to shoot the movie or why he chose to do the movie again? And um, just kind of like generic, no real questions that revealed any of his upcoming projects.
0: Where, uh, where in Columbus are they going to be? Are they in Enola?
1: They Yeah, they, they were in Columbus last month.
0: Studio 57.
1: Thir- Studio
0: 35. Studio 35. <laughs> we need to delete that. <laughs> no, it's staying. Are you trying to sell? So, oh, they're at the Studio Fifty Four. <laughs> no, I just made up some random fucking number.
1: <laughs> no, so they um they're in the reboot roadshow. So interesting fact on his Instagram page, he said that he will his investors they'll make their money back early because each show is like sold out, and so they're on track t- for the to pay their investors back early.
0: Nice, that's a good strategy. I like that. I'm kind of missing him on his podcast. I know. It's like one of is my he on favorites. A hiatus while he's doing it.
1: Well, he's on the road, and Mark Bernard is kind of having is holding the fort by himself, and just having different guests come on. So, but it's really Kevin that makes that podcast. So, uh,
0: How nothing it been really off? Go,
1: Nothing really going on on
0: my end. i have just got stacks and stacks of books to read. So, that's pretty much it. Sounds like an awful position to be in. How many uh, books you got to read? Oh, I'm a little backed up. I'm reading a lot of the annuals. Batman Annual number four catching up the the damn annual (laughs) still waiting on that last doomsday clock issue to come out i don't know when the hell that's gonna be good god man how long was that supposed to be and how long has it been it's a 12 issue series obviously so it should take a year and we're going on i think two and a half years say we're heading towards year three here because it hadn't even premiered yet when it was just me and mark at new york comic-con the year was just the two of us, and it was getting ready to come out that, I don't know, January or so. And that was, what, three years ago? Well, two years ago? I don't know. Two, two years ago. Cool. So, Mark, you said you binge-watched Watchmen.
1: I did. I did. And I, I Let's binge Let's hear your watched, thoughts, it. sir. Let's hear your thoughts. I liked it. I thought it was well shot. I thought it was well written. It took me a minute to get into, like, okay, what are we doing here? Like, like the first episode, I'm like, okay, what? Are, I, I didn't understand how we're, what we're we doing here.
0: That's I, the HBO it, template right there. It's
1: hard. It was a little, it's still a little, just, it's getting better for me, but it was a little rough for me to get into. But it's, it's gotten better, and I think I know where I'm at as far as what the story is trying to tell me. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I had to kind of make the connection with the girl who played Silk Spectre. Lori. Lori, too. Silk Spectre 2, the daughter, that's the comedian and Inspector 1's daughter, right? Correct. Correct. And so she was Silk Spectre in the movie, Silk Silk Spectre 2. Mm -hmm. And now she just grew up and is now an FBI detective, an FBI agent. She's the one
0: that dated Dr. Manhattan and Dan Dryberg, the night owl.
1: Okay, yes. Because they did it in his ship. Are correct. Right. And so she dated Dr. Manhattan and that's why she's so intimate. Okay. Got it. So, but this is not an alternate reality. No, this is if
0: I think the key thing about this show is it's more related to the book. And we've referred to it on this podcast before that obviously the ending in the movie is different than in the book, but like it's based 30 years after the ending of the graphic novel Basically, like, I think the number one thing that cues to that is, like, they have, like, squids raining down on yeah. cars and stuff like that. So it's, like, still there's ramifications from Adrian Veidt, uh transporting that uh, alien creature or whatever it was, tele- telepathic creature, to New York. So there's still, like, ramifications of it. So they every now and then they have squids and crap falling from the sky. I saw that, right. So I think if like if you haven't read the book and you're just going off the movie, you're like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: but I I love Sister Night. I love the costume. I think Regina King is so solid as an actress in this role. I mean, for as, as an actress, period, she has great range. I mean, she's done so many different kinds of roles. I think she's excellent in this role. I I love Jean Smart as as Laurie Blake. I liked her. Um, I there's it, I will tell you what for this being. The Watchmen and what we know of it—it it has an all-all star killer cast.
0: It does. It has a lot of really good people in it.
1: When I saw Jeremy Irons, when I saw Gene Smart, when I saw Louis Gossett Jr., I was like, it's like "What
0: Gossett is... Jr. Chappie from Iron Eagle?" I was like, "This is <laughs> straight awesome. out of the '80s."
1: <laughs> I got goosebumps because I'm like, "This is a solid." I mean, and they really bring it. Each cast, each person, really, really brings it, and i just think that they're doing a great i think it's 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 you know i get for the time that it is and i feel like the and what's going on in the real world i think they're using the whole everything that's political i think they're using politics as a solid foundational springboard to kind of get us and capture us as an audience and everything else is stemming from that but i think that that's where that that that's what they're using to kind of hook us in. And then the Watchman is, is meeting it halfway. The Watchmen-ness of it or what we know of it is meeting it halfway.
0: So I got to push back a little bit. So okay. I agree that the politics is kind of the springboard here, but I think that is what's keeping me on the sidelines right now. I, um, I just, let me, let me say something real quick before you go. I think that the, the root problem for me from the very beginning of this is being a major fan of the Watchmen book and graphic novel and the overall story of it, I think that it's kind of a bait and switch here. Like, if you're a fan of the graphic novel and you're trying to watch the show, you're expecting the Watchmen, like the characters, not just one or two here or there. I just think that you kind of got us hooked into it based off of the title alone. And I don't, and I see the characters coming to play here. And I'm sure we'll uncover more as it goes along, like where's Night Owl and stuff like that. But I don't know. I think it's from the very beginning, we're about, well, the fifth episode is tonight. But as of right now, it's just, I don't know. No, it's fine. I just, so I think I mentioned this on a previous episode where I picked up the Lois Lane issue number one comic. And it was pretty much straight up ripped from the headlines of somebody... Uh, a reporter getting reporting on Russia and all that. And I'm just like, no, I'm not, I'm not digging this. I just, I think with where we are today with the internet, social media, uh, 24 hour news cycle, I feel like we are inundated nonstop with political information. And I think for me, I'm not ignoring the fact that the Watchmen the graphic novel is a political story. There are a lot of political themes throughout it. I just, I'm but the wondering the political themes of the graphic novel. I don't feel drive the whole narrative of the story. They're there, right? but it's not the forefront focus. Right. Right. And I mean, I, I guess Mark, you make a good point where maybe that's, what's trying to draw us in, but I'm almost, I'm rolling my eyes on the sidelines going. I don't want to watch an entertaining show on one of the stories that I really, really love from comics, just drowning in 2019 politics and social cultural stuff. I'm not saying I don't want any of that stuff, but this is just like over the top for me. It's like, we got reparations in here. We've got the Tulsa massacre, which I don't think is a bad story to tell. I mean, I kind of like where they're going with that. I'm just kind of, Leaning back, going, what does this have to do with Watchmen? I, I, I don't know. I I feel like they're trying to. I, I ch- okay. Let me let me say this real quick. I'm with you on the Tulsa thing. Like I think they could go there with it. It just doesn't fit for me because if you go to the novel, the Minutemen started back in the what the 40s. Yeah. And we're going through the 40s, telling that backstory. But then you have that first generation of Minutemen retire and then they go to the 60s when Rorschach and Dr. Manhattan join and then Laurie's daughter joins. Are we trying to take this novel and back it up all the way? Because when was the Tulsa massacre? Like the 21. So it's like, I don't see how it fits. Are we doing a a um, an else world of the original story here? I, I don't get it. I don't get how it fits. The only way it fits is to fit it into modern-day political climate
1: to me. You know what I mean? It's just an opinion that they're using all of this. Because I'm saying the writers are obviously are creative. But I think that they're using this right now as a springboard. But I think they'll find their way. I think they'll find their own voice in their own way with these characters over time. You know what I mean?
0: Well, see, so I agree with you there. I just think there's too much politics and not enough Watchmen.
1: Right. And I think that they'll once they get through all this, then they'll, they'll start to concentrate on the Watchmen and the story and the comic bookness of it.
0: I just I, I think the response from the fans has been overwhelmingly negative. And I'm mm. wondering if it's because it's been too politically heavy. And it's like I think you could go there. I really do. I think you could wrap up because I'm looking at it like this. Let's pull the Watchman out of it and let's focus on the story that's been told so far, because I think it's that void of watchmen right now it would be a fine series on its own just you know talking about the how the the history of the police and trying to handle white supremacy and trying to what does society look like after tulsa and you know with a society that appears to be handling race relations better in some ways obviously not in all ways than kind of where we actually are in 2019 i just think they should be doing a better job of interweaving the Watchmen stuff in, not just here's a TV in the background with character references. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's not enough Watchmen characters and not enough interwoven Watchmen storylines. And I mean, we didn't really even get into a solid storyline until the fourth episode, like the fourth episode. And this is HBO, so that's less than 10. I mean, there's going to be nine episodes, I believe, is what the first season is. I don't know. I'm with you, Rob. I think that uh, they're going to try to peel layers back here and introduce characters. They don't want to just blow their load in the first couple episodes, when they're trying to tie it in, I get that, I just think the way going about it is, I don't know, I just don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna give it a shot, I'm not saying that I'm not, but I'm not impressed with how they, op- maybe we could go back and say that Dr. Manhattan fucked with time, and somehow this is the main focus, but they've gotten him wrong in the show, and they've gotten Rorschach completely wrong in the show, and, Yeah, that's the biggest (laughs) disappointment, in my opinion. That's the biggest thing that pisses me off is... Warshak is... To me, he's not... None of these people in this story are heroes. They're all assholes. They're all flawed people. And it's... it's, I'm not going to put him up on some pedestal. But his moral compass was... He was going to serve justice his way. Whether it was the right way. He's basically like Batman that... He'll kill somebody. You know what I mean. He's right. so sh- he's a, he's essentially a psychopath. I mean he sees he sees the world in black and white. There's no compromise from what his compass morally is. And if you step in his way, he's gonna. I mean he tortures you know criminals to get information. And he's not gonna be he's not gonna be swayed either way if he's got his mind made up. But the fact is, I don't think he wouldn't represent. White supremacy at all, no. But no. I think what they're doing here is they're they're showing that people can take something that somebody has, let's say Rorschach's journal. They could take that and then completely pervert it and make it fit their narrative. So like this Seventh Cavalry, they they took his journal and they they looked it over and they twisted it and made it their own manifesto or whatever, all in the name of saying that they follow Rorschach. And I just, I don't know. It fucking irritates me, dude. I think it's a smear of what the character really was when you're not directly saying that, Oh, the seventh cavalry, they just, they, they misconstrued what he was saying. I mean, Rorschach was a right leaning and I say right-leaning, a conservative-leaning character in in the graphic novel. He didn't like liberals. He didn't like rich people. He didn't like high society. He did not like high society because he came from nothing. He was he was the son of a whore. She was a prostitute. He grew up in a shitty situation, and I think he had a a shitty look of uh, you know outlook on the world, and that's how he was going to live his life. And he didn't the the world that he was bred in was how he lived it out. I guess he was going to serve it up. He didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? I guess to me, integrity is one of the words that comes to mind every time I think of Rorschach. And again, it's not. I think his moral compass was a little uh, misdirected at times but he was dedicated it was almost like it was like a dark integrity and I think he would be the last one that would support white supremacy I guess that's just what that's what's irking me with that character line yeah
1: Mm. I think it's it's simple in its writing and in it's filming that it's getting easier for me to follow and that it will work itself out does that make sense yeah, I think it's simply film shot and simply written enough that it, it, it'll just it'll it's it's it, it'll start to work itself out in that sense of it. So I think that I'm going to continue watching it.
0: I want it to work itself out, but not at the expense of what original characters we're about, is my point. Like, right. let's move on to Lori, for instance. Granted, she grew up, like, in her mom's shadow, and her mom made her, you know, be the, you know, go out and adventuring, and you're gonna be a superhero like your mom, and I can see kind of, like, she might be the only, besides Vite so far in the story, that knows the original plot and scheme that Vite put on the world, and she may be a little bit jaded, so that's why she is the way she is now. Because you know, she knows what went down and she knows that it wasn't uh, an alien that came to Earth and killed all those people. She knows who's responsible for it. But at the same time, I don't think maybe her characters... I like the exchange that she has with uh, Sister Knight. I think their chemistry on screen is really good. I think that she's showing that, yeah, I'm smart. I know what you're up to. You know, She figured it out really quick. But at the same time, she's going... She changed her last name to Blake. That to me is a major mischaracterization. Like even if you are jaded in the current 30 years later, you wouldn't take your father's name when you knew it who, who he mom. was and what it was. I just think that's a major fuck up to me. Yeah.
1: And in the in the movie, she was she seemed very centered. But now it's like she's like broken. That's what and I
0: mean. Like I think she's super jaded and maybe it's because she's holding on to this information and like when the senator came and visited, her, what was that episode three, where he's yeah. like, you know, we might be able to get your owl out of the cage or something like that. So I think that's a reference to Dan the Night Owl, yeah. And maybe he's in prison or maybe he's somewhere we don't know. And that's a uh, you know beacon of light for the future story. I think well, I want to know well, where. Yeah, he because is. that was that was like why I was confused on the pilot episode. I'm like, why does the police chief have Archie? Like, why is the police chief flying around in night owls? right (laughs) wing i always looked at it it's like what what is what is happening here and i mean i guess maybe i'm a little hbo jaded i'm still a little uh perturbed with how they slaughtered the game of thrones series i'm just i guess i'm a little impatient and i know their kind of formula in general is let's be provocative let's take our time hold on a second i'm glad that you said that because what was the downfall of Game of Thrones? They didn't have source material anymore, correct? All well, that, and from what I've, you know, read, I don't know if the sources are the best, but you know, they were way too focused on uh, future projects. I think they were going to do Star Wars or something.
1: So but they... either
0: way, they didn't have any more books, right? Correct. They were they were done with um, his books a while ago. And I think they just, the last season was awful. So yeah, I think similar to this, I don't think Alan Moore was intending his story to be past the the 12 issues. No, it was never supposed to be a sequel. He wanted no part of doing a sequel. That was more between the jaded relationship that he had with DC because they kind of fucked him over. And, uh, you know, they asked him to do a sequel and then maybe be a part of the Before Watchmen books and he's got nothing to do with it. He won't work for DC ever again. So, but I mean, going back to that, that's why I was, I was really excited about this show because I thought they were going to do prequels and they were going to do, you know, these original character backstories and now we're left with this so far. I guess I want to be patient, but I don't like, again, I, I'm going to start repeating myself, but it would be nice to have a little bit more balance, balance some of the political um points and story themes that they're trying to bring throughout there just needs to be more watchmen there's just not enough watchmen right now well and what watchmen we do have is i feel is wrong let's go back to Lori here at the end of the book john's gone and you know he gets her on mars and she convinces him to come back and she's with dan so why yeah. is she carrying a dr manhattan dildo around in a briefcase in this show like what the fuck I is that's, that i think that's hbo's Provocative sex crap. Like let's just I was throw gonna some ask, pointless sex in
1: here. What's with the blue dildo? And then did she sleep with her agent guy? The yeah. project. Uh, the guy who used the friggin projector. So what was the point <laughs> of the
0: agent projector? Blue,
1: <laughs> agent projector. What's the guy? What's the point of the blue dildo?
0: I do think he's Absol- the dude that lubed himself it. up and threw himself in the sewer. By the way,
1: I don't. What's that? Oh really?
0: I do think he's the one that lubed himself up and threw himself into the sewer. By the way.
1: But how, but how did he get down there, though? Because, so, I mean, because... <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying down the sewer, because remember, they took a private jet from where they were to Oklahoma.
0: Right. So no, you say- he's like, he, just look at his build. I'm like, look at this tall, slender dude. Like, it's probably the cat... Well, and he's obsessed, Literally. him as the agent, he's obsessed with the original characters. Like, he knows Rory's yeah. backstory, he knows who she is, so... It was his dissertation, yeah.
1: So, I just don't get, and that, that dildo was huge. Like, Jesus Christ, I really thought, like, oh my god. And she's an older lady, like, I don't know if her vagina could take all that. Like, I was like, really, what is really going on with that?
0: Well, I just think it was pointless. I was like, okay. First, I was like, what? what is in this case? Like, they made it out like... She got a piece of radiation around around or (laughs) something. And then it turns into that. I'm like, oh, that's just HBO classic right there.
1: And the thing is, it's like that guy's young. He's sleeping with her like, oh, my God.
0: Another I hate to keep bringing up negatives, but I think one of the most pivotal points of the book was when Dr. Manhattan, John, got Laurie to Mars and was just basically talking to her and she's trying to convince him to come back to Earth to save the save the planet from nuclear destruction. And he's basically like, I'm done with humanity, I'm done with it, I don't want anything to do with it. You know, let them, let them kill each other, essentially. And then that's when you this whole twist in the story was revealed that the comedian was her father. And he goes through the whole thermodynamic miracle of what it was that she was the outcome of the comedian raping her mother and she was this beautiful miracle and now they just it's like they shit that all over the show. Like your oh, car, car fell, fell out sky. of the fucking sky and almost hit you. It's a thermodynamic miracle that you didn't die. Like what the fuck is that? That was like a pivotal moment in the story to the point where Dr. Manhattan's gonna come back to Earth and intervene essentially and save humanity and figure out what's going on. And then you use that as some fucking punchline in the show. Like you don't understand what the fuck the material is to me. Well, and to Mm. that point, I think this whole like phone booth call Dr. Manhattan on Mars is them not knowing their source material because he wasn't on Mars. He's not on Mars. He left the galaxy. He's like, I'm going to go explore other worlds and maybe start some life. Like to me, that is just either complete ignorance on the part of the writers of not knowing the source material, or they just don't care. I, I just, I know that sounds something so simple, but I think it's them just rewriting the source material, which I think is just, again, something HBO does.
1: And anyway. I don't understand Jeremy Irons character.
0: Adrian Veidt. He's Veidt. I think he's from, okay. So I'm through episode four, I think. Yes, I think you start to realize that he is somehow imprisoned on this island somewhere and he's trying to get off. That's where I think where we're going to find somewhat of a Watchmen story in terms of his plot is revealed somehow. And I think that he's imprisoned on this island for what he's done. And that's that's really the story that I want to figure out and what's going on again he's a brilliant man and he's just making clones and killing them off and i don't get that part but is he that's what i'm saying though? i don't
1: understand all that
0: what'd you say rob is he the one making the clones though yeah he made them he made them in episode four right i know but is <laughs> and he, he got, the,
1: got one? the babies out of the lake i was like that is so right
0: weird. but i guess how did they come out of the lake
1: that's what I'm saying.
0: Like, did he put them in the lake, or is that is there something really fishy going on? No pun intended.
1: I think it's I, something fishy going because why did you put him in there only to it take it? It's weird. I just weird. I don't
0: know if he's. I think he's the one accelerating their growth, obviously, in his little like incubator, for... oven in a house on haunted hill, turnstile torture machine, or whatever. But I don't know. I I do think that that's where we're getting most of the Watchmen material. Is you know trying to explore Vites light story but it was nice to see the original costume from the book yeah when you put that on I don't know my biggest thing is I want to I know I want to know where Night Owl is obviously I think we'll figure that out I do want to know Gossett Jr.'s character that's that's very intriguing to me maybe he's got some ties to the original Watchmen story maybe that's how the Tulsa thing's gonna fit maybe I don't know maybe he had some ties to the Minutemen. I'm not. I mean, his age and where he kind of grew up kind of fits some of that, but
1: I don't know. Well, we will continue to find out. You said it's nine episodes. Tonight's episode is going to be five. I'm going to keep watching, and I think that we're. It's 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 a good conversation.
0: I hope I will be surprised. I guess I'll put it that way. I love like I'm trying, I'm trying to look at this through the lens of Westworld, where I really like the first episode. Episode two through like five were garbage, and then the last few episodes of season one were just worth the wait. So I'm hoping that it's like um, season one of um, Westworld. So I'm gonna hang in there. Hopefully, there there gets to be a little bit more um, character discovery, I guess, and trying to connect these hbo original characters to the story i was hoping we'd get from the opening scene but i mean when we said we're gonna talk about this i mean i've been thinking about it constantly because this is one of my favorite comic stories of all time which i've said a million times on this show and i don't i don't want to be super negative and i'll be the first one to admit to you that i hated this story when i first read it i hated. it I I bought the graphic novel on my honeymoon. Gave it away, didn't you? Gave it away when I got back home to the guy that recommended it to me. I was like, "You can have this piece of shit. I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with it." And then it's I read it again. Like I said, it's it's like a fine wine. Obviously, I've matured over the years, and it's not something that you can. I don't think anybody read it. They were blown away by it, but like it's it's hard to love these characters because, like I said before, they're all fucked up, man it's it was meant to turn the superhero thing on its on upside down so i don't know like i'm not i'm not saying that they're not gonna explain it and do it justice i just i'm gonna have to be patient and wait to see what finds out but the thing that like irks me and i know rob i've talked to you about it is i hate the white supremacist shit like i hate those fucking assholes like i don't They're fucking horrible fucking people, and I just don't think we need to have... I don't know why that has to be the villain in an entertainment aspect of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're painting them as the bad guy, which they fucking are. It's just, why do we even have to give them limelight? Like, I know they're fictional in this program, but, like, people like that exist. Like, why are we giving them a medium? You know what I mean? Like, that just irks me.
1: Right. Well, I mean, it is a dark show, so it may be difficult for us to to love these characters because it is dark. But I think that you know we can grow to love the story. You know what I'm saying as it continues to unfold.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um, something outside of the show that uh, I've been listening to a couple of uh, YouTube videos on it. I guess I just don't really like the clash that seems to be going on between the critics that love the show. And the comic book fans that seem to strongly dislike the show. And I, again, I think it kind of gets back to we're looking for things to be outraged about. But I think what I'm noticing in, in some of the articles I've been reading about that, there just seems to be a lot of all or nothing thinking about this. Like I can't, um, in some references, to like as a white person, I can't hate this show because I'm supposed to somehow... Um, Respect the um, Tulsa stuff and it's like well of course I respect anybody wanting to tell a story about a horrible piece of our history but I can be a white person and dislike this show for many reasons. And it's like, I can be a fan of the book and not enjoy the show right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's, it's not like, oh, you have to be all in or all out. Like, that's complete crap. Let's actually focus on some of the nuance here. So far, I don't like what I'm seeing overall. I'm not quitting. I will stick it out and see what's, what more is to come. I just don't like how, again, even in a a conversation about uh, an HBO program it's so easy that people are getting pigeonholed, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's almost like we're reproducing the politics that the show is supposed to be trying to, you know, turn on its ear a little bit. It's like, I don't know. So some of the, some of the drama around the show I haven't really been enjoying either. And I've just kind of had to turn that off. So just wanted to throw that in there as well. I don't want to strictly get into politics. I just think that, uh, I think the three of us have three totally different political viewpoints. Some of us may agree a little bit more, but I think we're all three of us have a different viewpoint on the political spectrum and we have love for each other. And, you know, we've been friends for such a long time and it's like the climate of the world we live in now is just so hateful. And it's like, I don't want this shit in my entertainment to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I see that. And
0: I, I, we've already said it i mean there are political undertones of the original story for sure but it's like that was never the forefront and i just i don't why should we be like hating each other over a television show that's what i mean like that's the divisiveness is kind of at the core of why to get back to my original point why i just don't like being inundated with the politics that constantly reminds me of the divisiveness of our society and our world right now. It's like, and it's like we can't even have a uh, mature conversation about this show. And I'm kind of getting back at the critics versus the fans. Like we can't have a nuanced conversation about a, a piece of entertainment without regurgitating that, Divisiveness and it's just ridiculous. Like that, it's just adding to my dislike for the show.
1: What I liked about the movie and the book is our. What I liked about it is just the uh, the costumes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. That kind of made it that way for me, and I'm not really seeing too much of that in this.
0: That's what I mean. Other... Like it's like Watchmen and name only, <laughs> you know. That's why I was, like, super excited when Adrian Vite put on his costume. I'm like, fuck yeah, we got some Watchmen in the Watchmen. <laughs> but I do like Sister Knight's trench coat, like, I think. In the so pilot, do I. In the pilot episode, I'm like, man, this is pretty badass. It's almost like a... Uh, it reminded me of Blade, actually. I was just going to say fucking, <laughs> like, woman version of Blade. <laughs> and, I, I mean, I actually kind of like the... I, I, I don't know, her kind of character is kind of an anomaly, you know? Like, she's like a nun yet a violent nun (laughs) so it's kind of a it's an interesting character again i I, i think for what we know now it would make a phenomenal show on its own i just it's just not enough watchmen to me i know that's like the seventh time i've said that on this episode but i'll be patient i really don't want to be
1: well we have five more episodes left of the first season
0: yeah we'll have to check back in on that for sure I definitely think that people need to write in to us, email us, and shoot us a message on Facebook and let us know what their overall thoughts of the show are. Um, and please
1: be honest, because we, you know, we're, the three of us have been friends over 20 years, and we respect each other's different opinions. We'll definitely respect yours. We'd love to hear from you and just kind of keep this conversation going.
0: Yeah, I just really think we need more mature conversations about pretty serious issues, and I think you can... Love the show and love the book. I mean, it's just... We can be real human beings, so let's just have those conversations. So, what do you fellas think we turn it to a positive note? I feel like this has just been a fucking Debbie Downer episode, man. Like, I don't
1: think so. You no? Know? <laughs> I think
0: it's been strong.
1: It's Yeah, it was a solid conversation. It's a good show. Or, you know, it's a good good conversation based off of a solid show.
0: it nice to have call-ins, I think, would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um okay so i pulled uh wizard 157 to do a little blast from the past with you guys it's from november 2004 and it's got the uh, joe Quesada wolverine picture it's really um okay so we're gonna do top 10 writers top 10 artists does anybody have any picks i mean we're talking when's 2004 how old is this 15 years (laughs) Mm -hmm. there may be some stuff we know this time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll remember at least any picks any anybody what are we doing first well we'll do writers that's uh, really kevin smith things. for something was nope. he arrow maybe nope that was 2001 i believe oh show my age Nobody.
1: i don't have anything nothing damn
0: okay number one brian michael bendis for avengers daredevil powers ultimate spider-man and he remember, was busy he's super busy at dc now it's it's insane uh, number two, Josh Whedon for Astonishing X-Men. Number three, Mark Miller for uh, MK Spider-Man and Wanted and Wolverine. Then you had number four, Warren Ellis for Ultimate Fantastic Four and Ultimate Nightmare. Then you had number five, Jeff Johns with Flash, Green Lantern, Rebirth, JSA, and Teen Titans. Oh, we did not read G- that. Remember the Rebirth? That was good, bringing Hal Jordan back. And then number six was Brad Meltzer with Identity Crisis. Remember that, when uh, Michael Turner did all those covers? Yep, I was slightly annoyed every time a new cover came out because the comic collector in me felt obligated to buy them. Then we had uh, Michael Straczynski with Amazing Spider-Man, Supreme Power, and Strange. Number eight was Jeff Loeb with Superman, Batman, And Catwoman, When in Rome. Superman, Batman. That was a good book. I enjoyed that immensely. Then you had number nine, Brian Vaughn with uh, X Machina. I'm probably saying that wrong. Ultimate X-Men and The Last Man. Then you had number 10, Judd Winkins, Green Arrow, and Outsiders. We definitely read those Outsiders issues. Yeah, that was a cool book. All right, top ten artists. Number one, when Jim Lee himself did the Superman run right after the Hush line. Mm-hmm. Then you had number two, Michael Turner for Soul Fire. Uh, John Cassidy, Astonishing X-Men. Uh, number four, David Finch, Avengers. And then number five, Trevor Hairshine, Ultimate Nightmare. Number six, Rags Morales, Identity Crisis. Seven, Andy Kubert. Ultimate X-Men, number eight, Carlos Paccio, I think, Superman, Batman, number nine, John Ramada Jr. for Wolverine, and then number 10 with Ethan Van Shiver, Green Lantern Rebirth. Got a handful of titles I actually read that time.
1: Yeah. Blast from the past. I can't believe that's 15 years ago.
0: Just reminded remind me, dude, um, that Michael Turner died at 37. Yeah, dude. That was a tragedy.
1: Who dies at 37?
0: It bone cancer, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. Marrow cancer or something. June 27th, 2008. So he would have died four years after that issue. So, like, also on this cover, it says Smallville's sexy new Lois. So Eric Endurance, so Smallville was going on nice and strong. That would and have been know, his third year. We know you were watching because you aren't a show quitter. That's nope. right. Nope. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode. This is Rich. This is Mark. This is Rob.
1: And be sure to hit us up on Facebook and our email at heroeshomebase at dmail.com. Take care, guys. See ya.
0: Thanks again for listening and supporting this RMR production.